Well, this morning we're going to see the test of faith. Jesus had been talking to his disciples and teaching them on faith, and then he's going to give them a real-life test of faith. You know, I teach a 412 class on Wednesday evenings, and I teach the class, and then the following week we come in and we have a test. And I don't give them tests in order to try to pass and fail people. I'm testing them for approval. I want them to know the information well enough that they're ready to give an answer for the hope that is within them using God's word. And so that's why I give them the test. And that's so that they can take the information that they know, apply it to their lives, and then do what they're supposed to do. Make disciples. Teach other people to obey all that God has commanded them, all that they see in God's word. And so that's what Jesus is doing this morning. He's been teaching them about faith in parables. He's taught them about the sower and the seed and how some seed fed and the people did not believe. But there's other two, two other groups of people that believed in Jesus Christ, but they didn't grow in their faith. They didn't walk by faith and produce fruit. Some of them, because of trials and tribulations in their lives, they didn't grow in their faith. Others, because of the cares and the, and the, and the things of this world, they don't grow in their faith. But then there are those who grow in their faith and they produce 30 and 60 and 90 fold. And that's what God wants for each and every one of us. That's what he wants for his disciples. And he's been teaching them about that. He's been teaching them that, that our faith, that, we're, that you don't get a candle and you put it under a basket or something like that and cover it up and hide your faith. You're to let your faith shine for the world. We're to be lights in this crooked and perverse generation that we live in. And so he's been teaching them about faith and now he is going to give them a real life test of faith. Are they going to live out what they know from God's teaching. And that brings us to the passage that we're going to look at this morning in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. In verses 35 and 36, we're going to see that Jesus gives a command. He said, let us go to the other side. And then we're going to see that there's a crisis. Even though they are in the will of God, that they listen to what Jesus told them to do, they get in the boat and they head to the other side, there's a crisis that comes up. There's a storm that comes up. And then we're going to see the cry. They cry out to Jesus, but they don't cry out to him in faith as they should have. They cry out to him in fear. And they, they go to God and, and they accuse him that you don't even care about us. And then we're going to see that even though they fail the test, that Jesus calms the storm. At the sound of his voice, it becomes perfectly calm. And then we're going to see the correction that he gives them in the questions that he asks them. And then we'll see how he flows on out of this into the rest of the book. So, so much that we can learn from our passage of Scripture this morning. So much that we can make application in our lives because I think all of us are either going through trials or we can be guaranteed that we will go through trials, through storms, through tribulations in our lives. So may we gain encouragement from these words, even though the disciples didn't do as he hoped they would do. 
So where are we at? We're in the Gospel of Mark, and the Gospel of Mark is written to show that Jesus is a servant. JB has taught us before that there are four different purposes for the four different Gospels, that Matthew shows Jesus as the king, Mark shows him as servant, and Luke shows him as man, and then John shows Jesus to be God. We're in the Gospel that shows Jesus to be a servant, a key verse that is found in in this uh, gospel is Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, he served in doing the will of the Father all the way to the point of death, even the death on the cross. He died so that he could serve the Father. He died so that he could serve us, making the way of salvation available to anyone who would simply put their faith in him for what he's offering, eternal life. But not only did he serve in that way, but he served while he was doing his ministry on this earth. He served people by healing them from various diseases, by removing demons from people, even raising people up from the dead. He served the people. And so he serves the people. And that's what the gospel of Mark is all about. I like how my Bible puts, um, describes the gospel of Mark. It says, Mark presents a rapid succession of vivid pictures of Jesus in action. His true identity is revealed by what he does, not necessarily by what he says. It is Jesus on the move. We see miracle after miracle after miracle, and there is very little teaching that is seen in the Gospel of Mark because it's all about showing him to be a servant. But there are places in the Bible or in this Gospel where Jesus does teach and Mark records it, and that's what's been happening right up until we get to this passage. Look with me at Mark chapter 4, verse 33. It says, With many such parables... He was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. So he'd been teaching about faith in parables, as I explained earlier, and he was explaining these parables to his disciples. But now that he had taught them in word about faith, he's going to test their faith. He's going to see, will they put into application what they know from what I've taught them in word. And that brings us to our passage. So look with me at verse 35 as we see the command that Jesus gives them. It says in verse 35, on that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. On that day, what day? Well, if you look back to chapter 4, verse 1, it's the day that he comes down to the sea. And all of this crowd is coming in, and they're pushing in on him. And so what does he do? He gets out in a boat, and he sits down, and he begins to teach. He teaches the crowd, as we just read. He teaches the crowd in parables, and then he explains the parables to his disciples. He is their commentator. You know, sometimes we go to a commentary to see if we can understand what the Bible is saying. Well, Jesus has given his word in a parable, and then he's explained it to his disciples. And so they should know very clearly what he's been teaching about, about 
faith in Jesus Christ, about how he wants their faith not just to be in him as Savior, but for them to see him as God and how he can help them, how he can heal them, how they are to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, how they are to grow in their faith so that they can be more like their Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's what he's been doing. He's been teaching the crowds, teaching his disciples, but now that it's evening, he gives this command, let us go over to the other side. So Jesus is sitting in this boat, teaching, and now he wants to go to the other side of, of the Sea of Galilee. So his disciples, they send the crowd away, just like he told them to do. Then they took him along in the boat with them, just as he was. You see, it's very possible that he could have already been in the boat. It says just as he was. He, he may have still been in the boat that he was teaching them from, and now he is going to test them in that boat on the same teaching that he's been teaching them in word. Now he's going to test them in life. So they get in the boat with him. And I want to point out one thing here is the command that he gives. Let us go over to the other side. We'll come back and see that because it's important. Let us go over to the other side. Now, what did the disciples do after hearing the command? They obeyed. They jumped in the boat and they headed off to the other side. They were directly in the will of God, doing what God had commanded them. But then look with me at verse 37 and let's see what happens. Verse 37 says, And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. So there's a crisis. This storm arose from out of nowhere. Some people teach that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that your life is just going to be good, that it's all going to be roses, especially if you're in the will of God, that everything in your life should be good. But these men were directly in the will of God. I mean, they even had Jesus in the boat with them and a storm arises. So you can see that sometimes when we're doing the right thing, doing what we're supposed to do, even when we're in the will of God, he allows storms to arise in our lives. And we're going to talk about various reasons for storms in our lives here in just a minute. But why this storm for these men? As I said earlier, he has been teaching about faith. In his word, now he's going to test their faith in their lives. You know, we talk about faith a lot at Stillwater Bible. We say that it is by grace that you're saved through faith. It's that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not as a result of works so that no one may boast. And it is true that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that at that moment in time, we receive the gift of eternal life because that's what his word promises. In John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the one we're seeing, the servant man, to leave the glories of heaven, to become a man, to willingly go on the cross of Calvary and to die for your sins and my sins and the sins of the entire world, to rise from the grave, to conquer death, so that whoever would simply put their faith in him would have eternal life. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you don't know where you would go if you were to die today, let me tell you right where you are, right where you're sitting, right where you're listening, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ and he offers you the gift of eternal life. But we're not just to believe in him for eternal life and then just go on about our, about our Christian lives. We are also called to walk by faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, walk by faith and not by sight. 
And so we are to take God at his word. We're to walk by faith. I love Colossians 2, 6. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. So how did we receive Christ Jesus as Lord? What did I just say? By faith in Jesus Christ. So how are we to walk the Christian life? We're to walk it by faith. And so that's what he's trying to tell these guys, that I'm more than just your Savior. I am God, and you need to trust me in your day-to-day lives. So what are we going to do when the storms come in our lives? Are we going to walk by faith, trusting God that he knows the end from the beginning? Are we going to pray and allow the peace of, of God to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus? Or are we going to be anxious? Are we going to be scared? Well, let's move on and let's see how the disciples handle this test of faith. Look with me at verse 38. It says, Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? So Jesus, he's tired. You know, he, he's tired because he's been teaching all day. He's tired. And so what does he do? He grabs a pillow and on purpose, he goes to sleep. So who is Jesus? While Jesus was on this earth, he is 100% man. He's 100% God. And while he was on this earth, he did like we do. He was 100% man. He got tired. He got hungry. He was tempted in all things as we are, yet he was without sin. You see, in this passage, we see both aspects of God. We see him as 100% man right here. He is tired. And so he grabs a pillow and he goes to sleep. Here in just a few minutes, we're going to see that he is God as well. So he's tired. He lays down. He says, you know what? These guys that I'm in the boat with, some of them are fishermen. They're, they're used to being out here on the sea. They know that storms arise. They've, they've dealt with them before, and um, they've made it through. And now, let's go. I'm going to trust that they're going to be able to get me to the other side so I can grab a pillow, I can go down and go, go to sleep. But what about the disciples? Do they trust him? Do they take him at his word? Do they remember the command that he gave, let us go to the other side? You know, he didn't say, let's go to the middle of the lake and let's see this boat sink and drown. Let's go down with the boat. He didn't say that. He said, let us go over to the other side. So don't you think they should have trusted him like he trusted them? It seems like they should have, but remember what's going on. This is a fierce storm. Verse 37 again, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that it was filling up. I mean, they're in a crisis situation. They're in a crisis situation. You and I may be in a crisis situation. What are we going to do? Are we going to cry out to God in faith or are we crying out to him in fear? Why me? Why now? Why this situation? I don't deserve this. Why are you allowing me to go through this? Do you not even care about me, God? He cares about us. He loves us. And he's going to show us that in his word. So what do they do? They wake up Jesus from his sleep. They're crying out in fear. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Now, what I want you to see here is they weren't crying out in faith. They were crying out in fear. They were complaining and criticizing to Jesus. Do you not care that we're perishing? They weren't worried 
They were worried only about their situation. They didn't wake him up and ask him for help. They woke him up and asking, do you not even care? And notice what they call Jesus there. They say, teacher. Hey, I understand that you're our teacher and you just taught us something in your word. Oh yeah, and now you're trying to teach us in life. But they don't get the hint. They don't think about it. They just worried about their situation. So teacher, you know, it's not enough to know about faith. It's not enough to be taught by faith. We are called to walk by faith. He is teaching them what he's getting ready to command them after he dies and he rises again. He gives them the great commission that they are to go out and make disciples. And in that commission, he says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. You see, whenever we teach people, we're not just to teach them the word, just give them the words and say, run off and do it. We're to teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And sometimes that means that we have to come alongside of them and do like the college uh, people do, where they go out and they evangelize. And, and, you know, Blake said, you know, if you've never done it before, we'll send somebody with you who's done it before so that they can go with you so we can teach you to do what it is that you have been commanded to do. And then teaching them to obey, to live out in your lives all that I've commanded you. It's not good just to know about the word and not live it out in our lives. We've got to know and we've got to apply God's word to our lives. So he's giving them this test. He's testing them in word and deed. So have there been times in our lives whenever we've cried out to God and we've thought, God, where are you? God, do you even care about me? Or maybe even now we're going through a storm. And it's not just some ordinary storm. It's one that's caused by a fierce gale of wind. And we feel like our boat is being filled up. We feel like that there is something, one thing on top of another, on top of another. And we're saying, God, do you not even care? That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're to be trusting God in the trials of life. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's why we can cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. That's what these fishermen should have been doing. They should have been casting their rods and reeling in God's care, God's love, God's protection, and trusting him in this storm of life. And that's what we are to be doing as well in our lives. Don't ever doubt God's care or his love for you at any time or under any circumstances. Even in the storm, God cares. God loves you. We sang that song this morning that started with Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God loves us with an ever-changing, unconditional love. So we never have to doubt God's care or his love. Don't worry. He didn't bring you this far to leave you. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows the path you're on. And although the sea may not be calm, he knows how to get you to where he wants you to be. 
Now let me say this, there are different reasons for storms that come in our lives. He may be testing our faith. He may say, hey, you know what? I know you have a quiet time on a regular basis. I know you study my word. Hey, I see you here on, in church on Sunday mornings, but are you going to live by the things that you've seen and that you know from my word? Are you going to trust me in the trials and tribulations in life? So he may be testing our faith like he's testing the disciples' faith. You know, sometimes trials and storms and tribulations come in our lives because of sin. Sin has consequences, and sometimes we have to deal with the consequences in our lives. And so we may be going through a storm in our lives because of the consequences of sin. We may be doing it for the good of others, that God knows that we're going to be faithful, that we're going to continue on in trusting him and singing him praises even in the storms of life. And so he wants you to be an encouragement to other believers who are around you, who are going through trials and tribulations. He may be, there may be unbelievers who are around you who are watching your life and say, how in the world can you have peace and calm in your life with the storm that is blazing all around you? And you can tell them it's because of Jesus, because I put my faith in the person of Jesus Christ and he gave me eternal life and eternal relationship with him. And not only do I trust him to get me to the other side, to get me to eternity, to get me to be with him for all eternity, but I trust him in my day-to-day -day life that he's going to take care of me, that he loves me, that he's my protector, my provider, my sustainer, my friend who loves me more than a brother. And so we can get to tell other people. So there are different reasons for us to go through storms of life. But let me say this, no matter the reason or the size of the storm, we don't ever have to doubt God's love or his care. He is always with us. His word promises us that he'll never leave us or forsake us. What should we fear? What should we fear? We should not be afraid in the storms of life because he is in the boat with us just like he was in the boat with those disciples. He cares about us. He's working all things together for good. But he's doing it according to his will and according to his timing. And so as we go through the storms of life, what do we have to be doing? We have to be walking by faith. I love Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. You know what that says? A lamp is something that just lights the path just enough for you to see one or two steps ahead of you. And so what do we have to do? We just have to keep moving, keep trusting God, going to his word and trusting him one step at a time. And if we trust him one step at a time, you know where we're going to end up? At the end of the path, right where he wants us to be. So in the storms of life, we continue to worship him, we continue to praise him, and we continue to trust him because he'll lead us exactly to where he wants to be in his timing according to his will. He may not do it as he's getting ready to do for his disciples at the sound of his voice this quick, but in his timing and his will, he will do this. And let me even say this, even though they didn't react, the disciples didn't react, in the way that he wished they would have reacted, God still cared. He still loved them. And he's going to see them through to the other side. We'll see that at the end of this passage, that God sees them through to the other side. You see, the truth is, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. 
He didn't, if we get in the middle of the storm and we don't trust him, he doesn't say, well, that's enough for you, leaving you in the middle of the lake. I was gonna take you to the other side, but since you didn't pass the test, it's over for you. You're drowning. I'm going to the other side, but I'm leaving you here. He doesn't do that. He loves us too much. He cares for us too much. If he loved us enough to send his son to die and to rise again in our place, he loves us enough to see us through the storm. So God loves us. He cares for us. He wants us to to be approved. He wants us to be faithful. But even when we're not, he is faithful for he cannot deny himself. His word is truth. John 17, 17 says, thy word is truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Not only do I speak truth, but I am truth. That is my character. And so we can take God at his word for any promise that he has ever made to us. So let's look on and let's see what Jesus does in verse 39 after they have woken him up. It says in verse 39 that he got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. So Jesus, after being woken up from his deep sleep, he was tired, he was sleeping. He got up and he rebuked the storm like a father rebuking a child. He said, hush, be still. And the wind and the waves, they obeyed. The wind and the sea obeyed. The wind and sea obeyed his word as as Jesus hoped his disciples would. You see, I taught you about faith in my word. Now I want you to live it out in your action. And that's what he wants for us. Are we gonna obey his word? Are we gonna take his word as truth? And are we gonna live it out in his life? That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to trust him at all times, not just in the calm, but in the storms of life. And notice what it says. The wind died down and it became perfectly calm. It didn't just ease its way down. It didn't just, you know, well, there's some wind and waves out there, but it's not filling the boat anymore. It became perfectly calm. The calm after the storm, this is what they were looking for. This is what most of us are looking for. But we see that it's in the calm of the storm that Jesus goes on and rebukes them for their fear and their lack of faith, hoping to correct their thinking about him. And their cowardice fear turns to awe as they try to figure out just who Jesus is. Who is this that's in the boat with us? Because he's more than just their savior. He is almighty God. He is our friend. He is our comforter. He is our counselor. He is our redeemer. He is our friend. He is the one who sticks closer than a brother. He is the one who cares for us even when we're in the storms of life. So look on with me as we see the correction in verse 40. It says in verse 40, And he said to them, Why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? The teacher now rebukes the students, hoping to correct their thinking and to connect his verbal teaching to their lack of faith in their life teaching. So connect his verbal teaching about faith to their lack of faith 
in their life. And he starts off by asking them the question, why are you afraid? Did you not listen while I was teaching and explaining those parables to you? You're without excuse. I didn't just give you parables. I explained them to you so you would know them. Did you not hear my command of let us go over to the other side? I didn't say again that we're going to go to the middle. We're going to drown. I said, let us go over to the other side. How can you be afraid if you do not take me at my word? for crying out loud. Am I not in the boat with you? And by the way, they did cry out, but they cried out in fear rather than in faith. But Jesus is in the boat. So how can we be afraid? Jesus is with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. What should we fear? We should not be afraid. How can, we doubt, how can you doubt my care? Have you not heard what I taught and the care that I've showed for others through performing miracles, by healing them from various diseases, by, by removing demons from them? I've done all of these things already. Haven't you seen the care that I've had for the people? It was just a few nights ago that we were at Simon Peter's mother, mother-in-law's house and I healed her and then the whole city came to me and I stayed up half of the night performing miracles for them, healing these people from their various diseases. How can you think I don't care for you guys, my 12 who are here in the boat, if I care for all of those other people? How do you, how do you doubt my care? You see, when fear is present, faith is absent. And that's what he goes on to say that, to them. How is it that you have no faith? Let me say this, it's easy to have faith when things are going going your way. It's easy to listen to parables about faith. It's easy to be taught in the word about faith. But yet it's another thing to have your faith put to the test. It's easy to say I'm saved by faith, but it's another thing to walk by faith. So the question we need to ask ourselves is this, how have we done? How are we doing? How are we going to do? Are we going to handle the storms of life with fear? Or are we going to handle them with faith? Are we going to trust God in the trials and the tribulations that we have in our lives? As we look back to Mark 40 and 41, I want to point out something to you that you can't see in the English. We see in Mark 40 that it says they were afraid. They were afraid of the storm. The word for afraid used in that verse is cowardly afraid. They were cowardly afraid of the storm. But in verse 41, it says they were very much afraid. So we see the difference. They were afraid. They were very much afraid. But the word used for afraid in Mark 4.41 has the meaning of awe. They were in awe of Jesus. Because they had seen an awesome God do an awesome thing as he spoke and the wind and sea obeyed. But yet we see they still didn't understand who it was, who Jesus is. As they were saying to one another, who then is this that even the wind and sea obey? Who is Jesus? As I said earlier, he is God in the flesh. He is the God-man, Jesus Christ. We saw him as man earlier as he got hungry or as he got tired and he grabbed that, that pillow and he went and he laid down because he needed rest after a hard day's work, after an all-day teaching session out there by the sea. He needed some rest. He is 100% man, but here we also see that he is 100% God. He spoke and the wind and the sea obeyed at the sound 
of his voice. And let me say this, the same Jesus who was in the boat with those disciples is the same Jesus who lives inside of you and me today. So we don't have to doubt God's love. We don't have to get doubt God's care. We don't have to doubt whether we're going to be able to make it to the other side of this storm. We don't have to doubt God in anything that he has given us about himself. We need to dig his word. We need to know who he is so that we can have faith in him even in the trials and tribulations in our lives. Because as we've seen, at the sound of his voice, even the strongest of storms can become perfectly calm. So what have we seen this morning? We've seen that Jesus was teaching about faith. Then he tests the faith of his disciples by commanding them, let us go over to the other side. A storm arises even as they are in the center of God's will. Rather than walking by faith, though they get anxious and they cry out in fear, do you not care that we're perishing? Then Jesus, with his spoken word, rebukes the storm and it becomes perfectly calm. Then he rebukes his disciples after they have failed the test. But even though he rebuked them, he kept his word and they ended up on the other side of the sea. Look with me at chapter 5, verse 1. It says, they came to the other side of the sea. Just because they didn't pass the test, Jesus didn't give up on them. Jesus continued and kept his word. He got them safely to the other side. And he didn't give up on them. He continued to show them who he was because when they reached the other side, he continued doing miracles. He continued teaching them so that they would understand who he is, that he's not just their savior, that he is God. And he is not just another man. He is the one who cares for them, who, who loves them, who can protect them even in the storms of life. And then he continues to give them real life tests. If you go a couple of chapters on down, we see that he tests his disciples again after performing even another miracle on the same sea that he just tested them. So God doesn't give up on us. Even if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. So how can we be ready for the storms of life? Well, we can be prepared for the storms of life by getting to know who Jesus is. Yes, Jesus is our Savior, and that is a great thing. It's the greatest um, story that has ever been told. It's the greatest message. It is the first and foremost important thing that we need to get across to people is that by faith alone in Christ alone, you can have eternal life. But we're not just to know him as Savior, put our faith in him for eternal life, and then go on about our lives. What are we supposed to do? We're to, to grow like newborn babies, longing for the pure milk of the word, getting in his word, finding out more and more about him, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are to know more about who he is. And then we're to take that knowledge and that information and we're to live it out in our lives so that whenever the tests and the trials and tribulations come in our lives, we can live our lives by faith, even in the storms of life. So let us live our lives by faith when the storms come, 
remembering the promises that we find in his word, that he'll never leave us or forsake us, what should we fear? Remembering his word, that his loving kindnesses indeed never cease, his compassions never fail, they are new every morning, great is his faithfulness. Let's remember that Jesus is God. He sees the storm from the other side. He knows the end from the beginning. He's working all things together for good. And if we remember those things when the storms come in life, we will be able to go walk calmly. We can walk by faith through those storms. It's like we saw in our song this morning. I loved all of those songs. They tied in directly to this passage of Scripture. But that song, Oceans, you know, whenever the oceans rise, what are we going to do? We're to call upon His name. And not call out in fear, but we're to call out in faith. Resting in His embrace. Why? Because He is mine. And I am His. Believe that. Receive that and understand that Jesus is here for us and he can take us through the stormiest weather. At the sound of his voice, our storms can become perfectly calm.